0: Uh, Welcome in to another edition of College Golf Talk. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you. So glad you could join us. We're back from our trip out west to Westlake Village, California for the Southwestern Invitational hosted by Pepperdine. Uh, So glad you could join us. And it was chilly out there (laughs) last week, Brentley, as we get this edition of the podcast going. And before... We go uh, into a deep dive on that a quick little tease for a little bit later one of the best teams in the nation on the women's side their head coach and one of their stars will join us a little bit later in the podcast so you don't want to miss that but I know we enjoyed our time in California. I had never been out there before it took me to the very last day to realize the hotel we were in that that small little Muni about 500 feet away was where Matthew Wolf learned how to play the game.
3: Yes, yeah, where George Gankus teaches out of uh, you know that driving range. It's almost kind of like one of the seven new wonders of the golf world.
0: Yeah, it was cool. It was uh, it was a treat to get out there and and see some golf, see some uh, of the best teams in the country. And you know, let's just jump right into it with San Diego State. How about we look at the team aspect of what the Aztecs did? On that final day, two of the three days, Brentley, the weather was tough. It was cool. It was windy. It was challenging. But uh, head coach Ryan Donovan's team found a way to make a charge. So let's start on the positive. What are your takeaways from uh, the big statement they made, considering the fact those were one of the five teams in that field that had not played collectively for their school in nearly a year?
3: well first off i don't know how they did it because i could not feel my hands pretty much the entire week um, <laughs> have you ever seen the movie day after tomorrow where you had the tidal waves and the snow and stuff that first week in college golf we had what snow in arizona we had thunderstorms lightning delay over at kiowa and then we had freezing cold temperatures and high winds in southern california um but well, so, welcome
0: back to college golf It's it's crazy,
3: but, uh, yeah, San Diego state that performance over the last four holes, you know, taking down Arizona state who didn't play that well in the final round, but I think you have to give more credit to San Diego state because they're the only team that really played well on that final day. Um, and I will have to eat a little bit of crow burko and my preseason power rankings, San Diego state was not in the top 30. They weren't even in the top 12 non-power five. So Evidently, I need to do some research because this team coached by Ryan Donovan is very, very good. And another little side note, this is also a team where while most teams got better because of the COVID year, they were able to bring a lot of their seniors back. San Diego State lost three of their top five players. Leo Oyo transferred to Oklahoma State. Christian Bankey transferred to Arizona. They They lost another player to graduation and they get two two of their best performances out of kids who played a combined two events last year, and Yusuf Guzelli and Joey Moore. So that's very scrappy team, going back to our last podcast with Julie using the word scrappy, but very, very impressive. And this is a team that, heck, we may have to watch out for them come this May at Greyhawk.
0: Yeah, I wonder if this is sort of the scene we're going to see in college golf all spring. From that standpoint, you go into that tournament, you're talking Arizona State, you're talking Pepperdine. You just alluded to it. You you were not even thinking about San Diego State. I was not thinking about San Diego State. And Lo and behold, they win. Uh, I just wonder if that's going to be a common theme we're going to see on the men's and women's side throughout the course of the next few months. Um, just for that thought of it's a scrappy bunch that's motivated, it's a team maybe that hasn't been together, that has been together. It's, yeah, I think everything we're used to seeing for the last 20 years is just going to be very different uh, over the next couple of weeks and months. And, and that's just sort of a, a quick thought jumping into my mind. Um, but you talk, or at least I just mentioned ASU, Arizona State. They led after 18 holes. They led after 36 holes. We're watching that broadcast coming down the stretch and late on the back nine. They're counting three scores. Well, they had three scores at nine over par. They were going to yeah. count two scores, 80 or above. How shocked are you of how poorly, quite honestly, Arizona State played on that final day?
3: Yeah, they counted an 80 and an 81 in that final round. And you're not going to win many golf tournaments doing that, but very shocked. I mean, especially considering they had David Pooge, the individual champion who was 10 under par and won by nine shots. So – I think Matt Thurman, you know, luckily he has a lot of players to kind of choose from. He has some guys that were left home who are going who can step up and fill the gaps if guys are struggling, but they definitely didn't leave Westlake feeling very good about how they closed that event. And when Cameron Sisk, who's a Walker cup practice session guy ties for 38th, um, even though Arizona state's very good, you know, my preseason number one or pre spring number one, it just shows you that if you don't if you don't bring it, you know you're you're not going to win and you're you're not going to beat many teams.
0: In my preseason number one or or selection when at all was Pepperdine hosting that event. They had nine guys start the week, five as part of the team, four as individuals, and lo and behold, they had a couple of guys finish inside the top five. That's great playing. The bad news for Pepperdine those two guys were playing as individuals and didn't count to the team score. Quite honestly, as a group, the waves dug way too big of a hole on that first day and and couldn't uh, get themselves out of it. Uh, What's your thoughts and reactions of, I don't want to say poorly, because Mm -hmm. if you count the two individuals, they played nicely, but uh, what's your takeaway from them really not making a statement, or quite honestly, having a chance to to even win the tournament after the first day.
3: Yeah, that's a good point you made, Burko. In that, I, I'm not really, I wouldn't necessarily call it a poor performance. Uh, it was certainly disappointing that they didn't win, but I don't take too much stock in you know the first event or so coming out of the you know a long winter break. Uh, even though a lot of these guys, it's not like they were snowed in and weren't able to practice, but the thing is, is when you have deep teams and you have tough qualifiers, you're going to have good players who don't play well in them, don't make the lineup, but then come out as an individual and, you know, play really well and contend for a win. So, you know, that that has nothing to do with, you know, coaching. It has nothing to do with what Michael Beard done. I mean, his qualifying method obviously works. Um, and it's just a little bit of bad luck. But looking at the numbers, if you subbed in, uh, Joshua, Joshua McCarthy and RJ Mankey who finished second and T three, respectively as individuals, if you sub them in for, you know, best case scenario, Pepperdine's two worst performers, I know hindsight's 2020, but if you just did that, they would have finished the tournament one over and one by nine. If you sub them in for the fourth and fifth guys in the lineup, which is, you know, what you would do if things went a different way in qualifying. Um, they would have been six over and one by four. So this is still a team with plenty of talent, and it's going to take some luck. I mean, that's what college golf is. Sometimes when you're trying to pare down a roster of nine, ten guys into five, and you know they've they've had bad luck so far, but you know, hopefully they can, uh, you know, for for their sake have good luck when it actually really counts
0: easy to make the argument they're the deepest team in the country what do you think the biggest challenge is for head coach Michael Beard to find five to find this is my group moving forward doesn't have to happen in February but when do you think if at all he sort of locks in throughout the spring of okay this is who I'm riding as opposed to what we saw this past week again, first world problems for him, but eventually, eventually you've got to get it right. If you're a head coach.
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily anything that he has to do. I think when you have the talent on that roster, things are going to take care of themselves and he's going to have a pretty good idea. Maybe, you know, there's, it's a toss up for that last spot or two, but he's going to have come April come conference tournament time. When coaches really start to lock in their lineup, he's going to have, you know, his top three, top four, very solidified. And luckily once we get into the postseason now, Burko, you can bring that sixth guy. And if someone isn't playing well, then you sub him out. Um, I don't know if Beard is one of those coaches. Cause I know there are some who don't believe in subs, but um, the thing is, is Pepperdine is going to be just fine. I think that's the overarching theme and they have so much talent that Beard is going to know who his five guys are, or at least four, and I'm pretty confident of that. And we'll see Pepperdine make a run, get into NCAAs, make match play, and uh, we'll see what they can do from there.
0: Circle back to a name you mentioned a few minutes ago, David Pooge, the Arizona State sophomore. What did we figure? His sixth collegiate start when you count the Copper Cup, which was sort of a head-to-head matchup with Arizona. What a clinic what an absolute display 10 under nine shot win for a guy that doesn't have a ton of collegiate experience. You talked about it. It was bitterly cold. It was freezing, especially on that final day where everyone seemed to be a miss like Matthias Schmidt and others. He goes out and makes it look easy. What kind of statement did he make? Because maybe he wouldn't have been the guy we would have thought, could lead the way for the Sun Devils. But all of a sudden, Matt Thurman's got to be looking his chops.
3: Yeah, considering the conditions, that performance, 54 holes, in terms of witnessing it in person is up there in my eight, nine years covering college golf. I mean, up there with Matt Wolf's performance at Blessings at the NCAAs back in 2019, Tomas Anderson shooting, you know, 60 and flirting with 59, um, you know, four or five years ago at the golf week program challenge, Scott Vincent, Virginia tech. I remember watching him birdie like six or seven of his last holes to, to win, you know, five or six years ago, um, at spirit hollow up in Iowa. So every now and then you see a performance that really makes you go, wow. And there's always a shot that you can point to. And I know we were talking about this, you know, last week, Burko, that shot that he hit during the final round on the 11th hole, you know, where most everyone was laying back with irons, had long irons into the wind to a back hole location. You know, he goes iron off the tee and then hits a long iron to seven feet when the other three guys in the group who were also in contention individually, I think they all came up short. So that was the shot that you were just like, wow. And we also, you know, kind of forget that, the southwestern last year was where pooj made his debut and i remember being there and asking their coach uh matt thurman you know is is this kid going to be any good and he's like he's going to be great so i don't think this is the end of david pooj and you know i think he can s- still play a little bit better it's 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 hard to believe <laughs> but he's going to win he he's going to win many more tournaments and maybe he doesn't get quite the rom level but it's going to be close
0: Could be the next great Spaniard uh, to go to Arizona State, go back to Alejandro uh, Canizares, who won the NCAAs. Individuals a freshman in 03 at Carson Creek. We know what John Rahm did his four years there. Keep an eye on David Pooge uh, as he uh, lapped the field at the Southwestern Invitational hosted by Pepperdine. And speaking of the waves, it was a chance to get right back on the horse, to make a statement, to head out to Hawaii, to say, all right, we're pretty good and we're going to dismiss what we did at home, but you've got an update. The, um, the COVID world strikes again. And something I think we're going to see a lot of in college golf is UCLA had a withdraw from Pepperdine's event due to COVID-19 protocol. What happened to the waves?
3: Yeah. So they were supposed to leave for, for Hawaii on, on Saturday, uh, the Armorari event, which is traditionally one of the premier events of the spring. And they weren't able to because of a a COVID-19 positive test. And obviously when you have that, there's protocols in place to where if you're in contact with one of those players, because of contact tracing, you have to quarantine as well. So because of that, they were unable to, you know, play in their second event of the year. Obviously we don't know the details, you know, who, what, everything surrounding that we just go off of what the school has released. And, They sent out an update last night over Twitter where they believe it was a false positive, which, you know, it's good news. We don't wish this virus on anybody, but at the same time, you know, there's still rules in place and they still have to quarantine and be safe as possible. And for those who may be upset, like, Oh, well, it's a false positive. Why can't they just go and play? I think it's good that we have these rules because if we didn't, we wouldn't be having college golf. So the thing is, is coaches, And teams, you know, need to follow the rules, need to do what they need to do for us to have college golf. And if you miss a tournament, you know, there's, there's going to be more tournaments in the spring for Pepperdine. They'll be back in action, hopefully at the Prestige later this month. Um, so, but yeah, just, just unfortunate to see it happen to Pepperdine, to see it happen to UCLA and also to the old dominion women who were supposed to come down here to Orlando and play in the UCF challenge. They were only able to travel one individual in a coach because of contact tracing. So we're going to see a lot more of it. Um, and then, but hopefully, you know, everyone stays healthy and uh, we can kind of get past this and get some vaccinations out and have a, as we talked about in the last podcast, a close to normal as possible NCAAs at Greyhawk.
0: Fingers crossed. Uh, certainly, we want that to, uh, to all. You know, come to fruition as you said, but I think there will be those little speed bumps along the way. As we quickly wrap up talking about the men, Florida Gators pick up a win. Arizona wins. What stood out to you from some other events we saw?
3: Yeah, Florida's new look roster with Yu Lin transferring from USC. That's a big get for them, and they benefit from uh, you know that transfer right away. But the team that really impressed me is from that same event up at Timuquana, which is a great course for anyone who hasn't played at a Donald Ross gym right on the water in Jacksonville, just super beautiful layout and pretty tough too. But the team that impressed me was Liberty and they kind of remind me of, you know, one of those mid major basketball teams and Liberty's had a couple of those where they're just as good top to bottom, maybe not, the household names of some of these power Five, some of these blue bloods, but Alexander Fuchs, uh, Kieran Vincent, Jonathan yawn they're, they're very deep and they took Florida to a playoff and almost won. So that's a, if we're talking mid majors and we don't consider Pepperdine a mid major anymore, uh, Liberty's got a, got a chance to be right up there with SMU and Colorado state and those boys.
0: You mean it's more than just you, Freeze, and the football program? <laughs> the Liberty <laughs> Flames are are getting the job done. It, it,
3: yeah, I forgot about their football team. Their football team was pretty good last year, too.
0: Really good, really good. So we'll keep an eye on the Liberty Flames, again, as the men and women just getting their spring season underway in the past couple of weeks. And speaking of the women, one of the nation's best team, perhaps the very best, Wake Forest, they're in the Central Florida area this week. You had a chance to catch up with their head coach, Kim Llewellyn, and one of her stars, Rachel Keene. And you talked about a little, little bit of everything from maybe meeting Annika to some college golf to some potential Curtis Cup. Certainly worth a listen.
3: Now we welcome in two members of the number one women's team in the country, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons coach Kim Llewellyn and sophomore Rachel Keene I mean first off the ACC for those of you who don't know who are listening was among the conferences who because of COVID-19 didn't compete in the fall but we're back Mm -hmm. today you're playing your first round in almost a year right how's it feel to be back
1: it's outstanding to be back out on the golf course I think um they're excited and I think even maybe even a little more so, the coaches were, were thrilled to death. I think um, Ryan, our associate head coach, knew exactly how many days, like 318 days until we had competed. He had been counting down. Of course, he, of course And he so um, we were thrilled to be out there and, and, and play and, and thrilled to watch him play.
3: So I've heard stories before when players haven't played in a while, they get kind of amped up. There's a story, I won't name a team, but a, a kid was so amped up that he broke his driver over his knee. Some players have forgotten shoes. Was there any any of that before you guys left or when you guys got here?
1: Um,
3: maybe more of the forgetfulness, not the. Uh, right. The anger. I think
1: maybe a little bit more on the coaches' side than even uh, the um, uh, player's side. Hopefully they didn't see it. You know, a few things, I forgot one of my range finders. Um, we we're trying to figure out, especially with all the COVID type restrictions, how are we going to have team meetings, you know, um, feeling out the differences between um, logistics, what's going on. So, um a lot of COVID things actually uh take up what's going on in your mind and you um sort of can forget about some of the other little details but Um, I would say the players haven't missed a beat at all. A lot of them have competed individually or done some team practices with um, some other things. Rachel had been on the Arnold Palmer Cup and and doing some um, training for some other things. So um, she's had a golf club in her hand and competed a lot um, over the last fall.
3: I think takeout's the big change for a lot of teams. (laughs) Have you guys always been a takeout team, or were you kind of sit down have a waiter waitress and I
1: would say we do a little of both a lot of time especially towards the the end of a tournament we'll bring it in eat together um, similar to what we're doing now um, but we were sort of did a little bit of, of both I always loved it when we would go on the road and try to find one um, restaurant that might be unique to the town just to like do a diner's fun.
3: drives and dining. exactly or and get the diners t-shirt. I always say it oh wrong. yeah
1: yeah get the t-shirt you know um, but yeah
3: so let's go back to the fall How'd you guys pass the time? Who, for, or I guess, first of all, who was still in Winston-Salem? I know you had a couple of players who went home and then came back at some point. Um, and then I also understand there was a lot of fierce, like, inter, inter-squad competitions. Mm-hmm. So just kind of talk about how you guys passed the time and mm-hmm. what went on.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we passed the time. This is really, I think, a wonderful tribute to Wake Forest and our players. Um, every single player returned back in the fall. Uh, they all wanted to come back, return, being part of a team as much as they could, even though they knew they, knew they weren't going to compete. They still wanted to come back. They still wanted to train. They still wanted to have at least some type of team feeling, um, even if they had to quarantine. Our international had to come and quarantine in the best Western for 14 days, but they still did that because they wanted to come and train. So I think um, that just sort of is a testimony of, of them wanting to 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 be a team be be together even if it wasn't they weren't able to, to tee it up and compete as a team in the fall um so we were thrilled to have all of them. we did a lot of things um rachel who you're going to talk to soon was really funny she came up to me the first week and says coach can i play on the intramural tennis team since we can't play uh, play <laughs> she played tennis in high school very, state champion so very very good high school player and i was like wow, i really hadn't had this question before a little bit don't want you to get injured, but hey, you'd be in great shape. So, we um, uh, but the COVID-wise, we, we couldn't um pull that out, pull that off. But, but That's um, unfortunate. Yeah, we did a lot of inter squad things. We did uh, a lot of stuff with the men's team, Ryder Cup type formats. Uh, so yeah, we got still got some golfing and um, did a lot within the team.
3: So pass the mic over to Rachel, and mm-hmm. she can explain maybe the the toughest intra-squad tournament, like, Ryder Cup-style match. Mm-hmm. What was, like, the the highlight of that whole fall? Um,
4: so we actually ended up pulling uh, pulling two girls from our girls' team and two guys from the guys' team. Um, the other girl was from Ireland, and then there was one boy from England and then one American. So we...
3: Was that Alex Fitzpatrick it and... It was Alex
4: Fitzpatrick and Parker Gillum. Okay. And so we teamed up Americans versus internationals, and we did, like, a Ryder Cup thing... We would do the four ball on the front nine and foursomes on the back nine. Um, and we did that, gosh, maybe four or five times throughout the throughout the fall. And it was really competitive, really fun, but it, it kind of prepared you for some match play. Because, um, you know, it, once we get to postseason, everything's match play. Um, so it, we had a lot of fun, but but got really intense doing it too.
3: Was there any trophies up for grabs or...? Just pride. <laughs> just pride, which is sometimes better than...
4: 100% better.
3: So for people who are listening who may not know your background, it's pretty interesting. Can you just briefly um, kind of sum up, uh, I guess, 19, 20 years of, of your relationship with the game and specifically how big of an impact your uh, mother, Brenda, has had on your Yeah, career?
4: so I'll go even a little further back than that. My granddad, my mom's dad, um, was kind of one of the fathers of, of golf in the Dominican Republic and um, and introduced my mom to the game and and obviously my mom played at wake forest Um was an all-american there played on two curtis cup teams played nine u.s. opens um, won one ACC also i think and and then she introduced me and my brothers to the game and it's funny because when i i kinda started getting serious about golf and looking at colleges i i told my mom i said you know no offense but i really don't want to go to wake forest you know that was your school that was dad's school i, I wanna i wanna make my own my own experience. And I, I stepped on campus. I had an absolutely great visit. I, I I knew that it was just a really, really great place for me and, and ended up actually committing there and, and have loved every minute of it. And my mom has been such a role model through golf and beyond golf. She's someone that I look up to and I can come to with anything. And I know she's always going to give me honest and helpful advice. And, and she's been my best
1: friend growing up, to be honest with you.
3: Now, when she made her visit, were, were you still at Virginia, or were you at Wake?
1: <laughs> okay. So I recruited the heck out of Rachel. She was my number one recruit for her year. So I was at Virginia recruiting the heck out of her, and um, I do think I was in I was in this conversation. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so um, she ended up going to Wake Forest. Coach Daly, great friend of mine. So of course I was a kid with Coach Daly, and I was like, thanks, Coach. You know. Um, so then when I took over at Wake Forest. Um, my first phone call was to Rachel to, to tell her that I was going to be the coach. She did not know. So I picked up the phone, and I said, Rachel, I said, even if I had to change schools, I was going to be your coach.
4: <laughs> True story. And 100% is exactly
1: <laughs> So Jeez. it's a great story.
3: That's that's hilarious. Well, just a couple days ago, you played in the Curtis Cup practice session. Is that right? Can, um, how did that go, and what was that like? That was your first one.
4: I did, yes. Uh, we played the last two days out at Lake Nona, and we played 36-18. Um, but it was really great. Obviously, we played a great golf course, and I got to know the other eleven girls and our captain, and and Laura from the USGA, and everyone was so great. We got along so well, and it really was just a really special time. And, and to know, to in the back of my mind, to know that my mom had made two of these teams, it's it's something that I'm striving for. So hopefully, I can um, play well the next couple months and and make that team.
3: Now I ask a lot of the Walker Cup guys this: Who is one player that was there that you didn't know? really maybe at all or just a little bit before that you're now a lot closer with?
4: Oh, I didn't, I had, okay, I did know Brooke Matthews, but I didn't know her very well. And, and we played, I think 36 out of the, whatever, 54 holes and then and, and we're pickleball partners at the end of it. So we got to know each other a lot better and she's a really nice girl, really fun to be around.
3: So yeah, I saw new the friendship. pickleball photos. I'm glad you brought <laughs> that up because, so being a state champion in tennis, I would imagine you were pretty good.
4: I was really competitive, let's just put it that way. All right,
3: that, I, it sounds like there's a story there.
4: No, we just, uh, <laughs> so Brooke and I were partners, and we were kind of messing around and playing, and and then next thing you know, <laughs> we look across the court, and we're playing Sarah and Gromar, Curtis Cup captain, and Annika Sorenstam, and I look at Brooke, I was like, we can't lose this, we have to win. And we were down a couple of points, and long story short is, is we came back and we beat them and and we were laughing about it. You know, it's not very often that you you get to play a Hall of Famer. And even if we can't beat her in golf, maybe we can take her on the pickleball court.
3: It it seems like it's been like five years since you guys were runner up at the NCAA's and blessings. <laughs> um, you're still the reigning runner up. Mm-hmm. Um, does it feel like that long?
1: It it feels like a very long time. Um, and and I think anytime you're runner up, it's a little it's a it's a okay you're runner up that's okay but it's bittersweet because you were hoping to win the thing so it sort of lingers in your mind um so it, it, i think it it feels like more like five ten years <laughs> keeps you up at night still a little bit so um we're looking forward to it was you know it was interesting we have a, a different team than we had when we were runner up um but saying that um, we have so many people that sort of um, I would say want that just as bad as the, as the ones that were there. And they um, they work hard, and they wanted want that taste of it, too.
3: Now, a lot of teams have mottos um, mm-hmm. or slogans mm-hmm. or themes or whatever. Do you guys have one?
1: We definitely have one, but we're going to keep that a secret for now. We may share it after the season, but right now it's our motivation, so we can't let the cat out of the bag quite yet.
3: Okay. It's, it's never fun if I'm just the one asking questions and all that I like the the little bit of trivia sometimes with players mm-hmm. and and coaches um, because trivia it's competitive and you guys are obviously a competitive bunch uh, so
1: win she's a lot more clever than I am
3: yeah but see the questions are about each other so oh, I I'm, okay. I'm gonna ask I'm the, the rules are I'm gonna ask Rachel five questions about you and then Rachel I'm gonna ask your coach uh, five questions about you and I mean, people have played trivia before. Whoever gets the most right wins. Okay. So, uh, I guess we'll start with uh, let's start with Rachel first. Okay. okay. These questions are about your coach. Okay. The first one is, where did she graduate college from? Uh, UNC Chapel Hill. Do you know what year? That's not part of the question. You you got it right. I'm just
4: uh, wait. I'm I'm calculating. 92?
3: Close. 93.
4: Yeah. yeah.
1: 90. Was it She No, better.
4: 90. I don't know. I calculated. 90, it actually was December 92. So there we go. 92. There
3: you, so then the bio is do wrong. I get a, yeah, do so I get a bonus point for that? You should, probably. It December <laughs> if it's a tiebreaker, that'll be the tiebreaker. Okay. <laughs> um, second question Where was Coach's first head coaching job? This is back in 03, 04, I think. Citadel. Wow, two for two. <laughs> Number three, oh. how many ACC titles did Coach win in her 11 seasons at Virginia? Um,
4: seven. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Oh that wasn't, I just <laughs> pulled that out of nowhere, that, that I'll was, be honest. That was
3: five more than she did win, but she was runner-up four times.
4: Okay, close.
3: And then these... I'll need your help, Kim, because I don't know the answer, but um, (laughs) you can officiate for me. But four, um, what is your coach's best score, 18 hole score on the golf course as a player in competition?
4: In competition? um, 65? That's right. 100% I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: And last question if coach has control of the radio dial in the van, um, what band or artist are you guys listening to
4: country music (laughs) is there is there
3: a specific artist
4: a specific artist i feel like you're an old dominion type of person oh okay a little more country but yeah
3: (laughs) so for for official record keeping purposes we'll go three for five that's pretty good
4: wait i got country music right though
3: yeah but that's i was more Little, We're looking for a specific know, little okay, bit that's more, a little fair. bit more specific. But that's all right. Three is a pretty high bar. Um, all right. I thought you did great. Yeah, I. I you kind of undersold <laughs> and over-delivered. so that's. I, I that's hope great. your
1: questions are more. If they're more personal, I'll get them. Let's see, uh, like what she likes to eat.
3: Hmm. They're they're not quite that. I, <laughs> not that quite <laughs> personal, but. <laughs> Uh, All right, question number one. Uh, Rachel won the 2019 Annika Intercollegiate first college start. um, Seems like 10 years ago. But uh, how many shots did she win by?
1: A lot. I mean, a lot. Like, could it have been 13?
3: It was five.
1: Five. Oh, yeah. 13 under. So Yeah, thank you. See, 13 under. That's what I meant.
3: All right, number two. How many state titles did Rachel win in high school? Just golf. I'm
1: going to say... Well, I'm going to go for 4 because I'm optimistic, but it might be 3. It,
3: it is, is 3. three.
1: Okay, it was 3. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think I we th- should th- give that I to her. I think it was 3. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> She's all right, well, it's uh-huh. that's fine. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what, uh, that's what uh, yeah.
3: All right. Number 3. How many US girls junior juniors did Rachel play in? 2. 4. With a best finish of uh, reaching the round of 32 in 2017. All right. all right, these ones you might get. The last two. Favorite club in the bag.
1: She's really good with them all, but if she had to, she had to pick a favorite club. I mean, I'd go with. Oh, I'd, it's probably an iron, but I'd go with driver. But it's probably an iron of some sort.
3: And the answer. Putter.
1: really i love that i'm confident with my putting i know I'm glad. i love that
3: that's one of the ones that you got wrong but you're happy that you did probably
1: no i love that for so many reasons i love that
3: all right last I question love that. i think you're at what you've got
1: well i'm really poor at this but i'm really getting some good things from it
3: <laughs> uh, see like i said trivia uh-huh. it's competition but you learn something uh-huh. too um, and so the last question, Rachel's favorite LPGA player. Annika. Yeah. <laughs> That's right.
1: See? <laughs> Woo!
3: <laughs> so the final score, I believe, is three to two. Rachel wins.
1: Yes, you definitely did.
3: All right, and we got a few more questions. These are just kind of random, uh, interesting Mm -hmm. ones that you guys both can answer. Uh, If you had to build the best women's college golfer. So we got five things, driving, iron play, short game, putting, and mental game. Which five players are you meshing together to make the ultimate golfer? Uh, Rachel, you got any, any ideas?
4: So are we staying within the team?
3: Well, let's let's go let's broaden it out a little, a little bit because you've I mean you've played in U.S. Women's AMs, you played on the Curtis Cup practice sessions, you played in you know you've seen a lot of players, you played alongside of them. Um, I mean, so we'll just go a little okay. little broad for you. So
4: are we going through what were the five categories again? So
3: driving. So so, so let's d- start with driving. Driving.
4: Um, Annika Sayamanatafa hits the ball long and straight. I played with her this past from, Ohio, days. State, from right? Ohio State. From um, Ohio State. Really impressive off the tee. Iron play? Iron play, um, I think Gabby Ruffles. She's really, really consistent. It's impressive to watch her, her strike her irons. Right. Um,
3: and short game, like around the green, creativeness?
4: Short game, around the greens. Like chipping? Yeah. Can it be boys and girls or just girls?
3: Um, how about both?
4: I'm gonna go with Alex Fitzpatrick. It's really impressive to watch him chip.
3: All right, and putting.
4: I'm gonna back myself putting. I, I'm confident with a putter in my hand, um, and not to say I'm the, by no means the best putter, but but I'm confident when I'm when I'm stood over it.
3: And mental game, or mental golf game. IQ, or <laughs> I'll she, back can't <laughs> uh, okay, she can't okay. pick herself twice. She can't pick herself twice.
4: Mental game. I think Amelia is a really good competitor. Um, she's someone you don't want to face in match play, so so I'll I'll take her mental game.
3: Okay, that sounds like a pretty good player.
4: Yeah.
3: All right, second question. Uh, what's one thing you change about college golf? This doesn't have to be some uh, elaborate thing. It could be something very simple, but what's one thing that you don't like about college golf that you change?
4: I wish we'd play more match play during the regular season because all postseason is match play, so I wish we'd get a little more experience throughout the uh, this semester. Coach?
1: I agree completely, actually. I, think I would like there to be a more match play. Um I think that, and I think things are going that way. But I, I, I do think the um, I'd like to have more match play.
3: Is there a concern about what that does to the rankings? Is that maybe the I, only I hold think, up?
1: I think there needs to be stroke play in order to get rankings, in order to um, to to actually probably get statistics on all the the players. So I'm sure that's the reasoning behind that, which is necessary. Um, but match play is a different beast, and so when you can, when you can train in that, it's nice.
3: Okay. And last question, if NCAAs could be played on any course. Ooh. So you're, you're deciding where to host it and throw logistics out the window. Um does, doesn't matter what time zone, doesn't matter what country, doesn't matter anything. What's the course that you're hosting NCAAs on?
1: I, I love so many golf courses too and so many different places. I love old links golf courses in Scotland, love them. I mean, it would be so much fun to do, you know, something over there. Um, Saint Andrew, something like that. I
4: really enjoyed, I played a U.S. Four, women's 4-ball four out at El Caballero in Tarzana, California. And I really enjoyed that course, and it was a lot of fun for match play. So I think that would be, and it's really in really nice condition, too. So I'd love to go back and play that, whether it's for NCAAs or whatever, but...
3: Awesome. Well, uh, thanks ladies for your time. Uh, good luck this spring and I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about as we gear up for the actual NCAA championship at Greyhawk.
1: Well, great. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
3: Well, Burko, nice to catch up with one of the best women's teams in the country, if not the best. Um, interesting, uh, that last question, their dream NCAA host course. I know, what course I'd love to see NCAA's played on. Do you have uh, something that you have in mind?
0: And, and we're not worried about logistics, anything. Yeah. We just, if Anywhere. we can pick a place, wow. I mean,
3: Don't Jersey. have to worry about, you know, getting a TV compound in there or squeezing well, 30 teams on a driving range.
0: Hey, I'm a Jersey guy. Arguably the greatest course they rank each and every year in the world is in South Jersey. I haven't had the chance to play it. Maybe one day I would. Pine Valley. Let's just have one of the most difficult and revered courses in the world showcase and highlight the best women and men in college golf. Now, every indication, it's a heck of a golf course, and it's a big-time challenge. But if all bets are off the table and you can go anywhere you want, I'm going Pine Valley.
3: That's good. I, I wrote down a few and pine Valley was one of the finalists. I had Cypress in there as well. And a uh, Hoopy match club, which is in Coptown, Georgia, Gil Hans design where they only play match play. But if I had to have NCAAs at one course, it has to be seminal. Just in my opinion, the greatest golf course in the world. And I'd love to see some Mongolian reversals on those greens because they're some of the most difficult greens in the world as well and i just know that in match play with college kids we'd see someone with a 12 footer for birdie end up making bogey and losing the hole so just the excitement um i i know we just saw the taylor made driving relief last year um and and that was fun with dj and rory and them but to get some college kids on Seminole and we'll see the Walker cup there later as well. So maybe this, uh, isn't so much of a pipe dream after all.
0: Hey, I like where both you and I are going, whether it's Pine Valley or Seminole, Hey, why not dream big uh, for the best event in college golf each and every year. Again, the spring season really starting to ramp up, uh, Brentley over the next couple of weeks, we'll be back. To keep you updated on tournaments, we'll continue to have guests and interviews join us. And I sort of just want to keep my fingers crossed that UCLA and Pepperdine in the men's side and Old Dominion on the women that we don't see this happening more often. But in my gut, gosh, I just get the sense you're going to have that team almost every event, you know, run into some problems with testing. I hope I'm wrong.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Eventually though, I mean, hopefully, like I said, uh, you know, the, the situation can Im- improve. And as we get later into conference and regionals and NCAA championships, hopefully these teams will have already had their few bumps in the road and everything's smooth sailing after that. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Burker. That's the one thing. If, if you asked me, what am I crossing my fingers for? That's, that's definitely it. You know, yeah. everyone's staying healthy, everyone playing golf and, Us getting to cover it.
0: Yep, that's what we love to do. It was great to be out in California. We will continue to journey all around the country leading to Greyhawk in Arizona in just over three months' time. So we appreciate you for tuning in, listening to us, and we'll keep you updated on everything happening in the college golf world. College golf talk comes your way again real soon. Take care now.